too. I want to, Bible Baptist Church is our home church, but I want to thank God for our church. I want to thank God for the labor and the finances they put into this. I thank God for Anchor of Hope allowing us to use the facilities. And there's a lot of people that you're not seeing up on this platform that's really laboring in this meeting. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for all the preachers. I'm thankful for Brother Gravely. Brother Gravely wasn't the last person to leave last night. I, I was watching people loading trash cans up last night from my camper and, and as I was walking to my camper. And I'm thankful for your labor, church. Amen. This meeting is impacting churches all across the country. And I thank God for that. Judges chapter 1, verse number 19. I'm going to spot read through uh, verse chapter 1, and then we'll read several verses in chapter 2, and I'll try to get out of the way. Verse 19, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And the children, verse 21, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites, that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Neither did, uh, verse, verse 27, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshem and her towns, nor Tanakh or in her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Iblium and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would uh, dwell in that land. Verse 29, Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalo, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Verse 31, Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor of Alab, nor of Akzib, nor of Helba, nor of Athik, nor of Rehob. But the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Do you notice the difference there? All those tribes mentioned before that didn't drive them out, there was such a small number of Canaanites that said they dwelt among the people of Israel. But when we get to Asher, they did so little driving out, they did so little clearing out, that there's more Canaanites than there are Asherites. Do you see that? Verse number 32, But the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Verse 33, Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Bethshemesh, nor the inhabitants of Bethanoth, but he dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. We see it again. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Bethshemesh and of Bethanoth became tributaries unto them, and the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley. Verse 1 of chapter 2. And the angel of the Lord, this is a theophany, amen, this is the Lord Jesus. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go out uh, up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, uh, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept, and they called the name of that place Bochum. And they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went over man unto his inheritance to possess this, the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. 
who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the borders of his inheritance in timnath in the mountain of Ephraim, in the mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done in Israel. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. Lord, I bow before You. I need Your touch. I need Your unction and liberty today. I pray that You fill me with the Holy Ghost of God. Give me boldness and compassion to preach, thus saith the Lord. I pray that You give me an ear with these young people and parents today. And Lord God, that You take us further with You today. Give us a challenge today from Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Thank you. Might be seated. Uh, Some of the, uh, the saddest stories you'll ever read in your King James Bible come from the book of Judges. And Brother Jesse, I don't know, I understand they're gruesome, they're awful deeds that are done, but the saddest part of this is not the, of the gruesome deeds we read about, but that the fact that it's God's people that are doing the gruesome deeds. It is not the world living like that. It is not the world sacrificing their daughter. It is not the world hey, that, is, that, that was serving strange gods in the book of Judges. It is not the world that's cutting up their wives and sending them to the twelve tribes of Israel. It is the people of God that are doing these wicked deeds. And you know what ought to grieve us today? Not that the world does what the world does, but that the church is doing it too. Amen? And in the book of Judges, we read of people that typify the children of God. They are the children of Israel. And I believe every every wicked thing that we see from chapters 2 to 21, all the wickedness, the, the fact that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. All of that is a result of a failure in chapter 1. In chapter 1, I'm not reading about the second generation in Canaan. I'm reading about the first generation in Canaan. Over and over, it said, neither did they, neither did they. And there was a there was a command in Deuteronomy 6, we'll not go there for sake of time, but the command was that God told them to go in and slay the inhabitants of the land. He said, don't you leave a baby. Don't you leave a woman. Don't you leave a man. Don't leave anybody. You go in and slay the inhabitants of the land. And friend of mine, we are reading about a generation that come out of Egypt, a picture of being saved. We're reading about a generation that knew the Canaan land life. They had experienced the milk and honey of Canaan. They had experienced the things of God. But then, all of a sudden, they got at ease in Canaan. And what God had told them to do, they only did partially. And there was a failure to clear out Canaan. Amen. Now we read, we understand, Brother Bud, that all of these tribes were living in Canaan together. But each one of them, if you go look at chapter 1, 1 through 3, uh, they each had their own lot. They each had their own possession. Hey friend, I thank God for the day God let me cross over into Canaan. But I'm glad I'm not the only one living here. Amen. But uh, Brother Brown's got his 
lot. And Brother Gravely's got his lot. Uh, but you know whose who's responsibility it is to get the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Amorites out of my lot? It is my responsibility. And I'm afraid in this generation we've got people that have enjoyed the things of God. Uh, they're saved. I mean, they've, been, they've experienced Canaan. And God's given you a little possession. God's let you to possess some things in your life. Hey, but you know what? We failed in our lives to drive those Canaanites out. We, we failed to drive the inhabitants out. Hey, you know what they said in the back of their mind? Hey, they said, well, they're beat down now and they're lowly and we'll just let them stay there. They're not bothering us anymore. Hey, but if you let the men live and you let the women live and you let the little kids live and them little babies, they're going to grow up to be big Canaanites. Amen. And eventually it'll come to a day when those little those little inhabitants that were just dwelling among you, it'll come to a day when they're ruling your life. Brother Buck Huntley said there are no fences on the backside of Canaan. You can go in as far as you want to. Hey, and friend, I want to go in further. I want to go in deeper. Brother John, I want to put my foot down and take every piece that God let me. But in all of my taking, and in all of my going, and all of the, the coast broadening, every time I take a step, I want to be clearing out the Canaanites as I go. And I wonder today, have you let the Canaanites rise up in your house? Have you let the Canaanites just have a little piece of your heart, a little piece of your home. Hey, today, I beseech you that we need to clear out Canaan. Amen. I want to look three things real quickly. They, uh, the three reasons they, I believe they didn't clear out Canaan. In chapter 1, I believe they didn't clear out Canaan because they wanted to capitalize. In verses 28, verse 30, verse 33, and verse 35 of chapter 1, it talks about tributaries. They made the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Jebusites, they made them tributaries. That's what that meant is they got tired of fighting. They got tired of war. And they was ready to put down their sword and pick up their pocketbook and start making some money. Hello? Hey, brother, brother Blake, they would have rather let them pay them money to stay than they were to fight them and destroy them like God said to. I need a little help now. Hey, I wonder how many people today, hey, you're letting the Canaanites stay because it's comfortable. You're letting the Canaanites stay because it might make you a little money. You're letting the Canaanites stay because you might be able to capitalize on the fact that you've got that little tribe of Canaanites living over in the corner of your possession. Now, this is what what Josephus said about those those tributaries. He said, Contenting themselves with the tributes which were paid to them, the Israelites grew effeminate to fighting any more against their enemies, but applied themselves to the, uh, 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 the cultivation of their land, which producing them great plenty and riches, they neglected the regular disposition of their settlement and indulged themselves in luxuries and pleasures. Does that not describe the day we're living in? We'd rather have our favorite show. We'd rather have our favorite movie. We'd rather have our favorite artist. We'd rather have our favorite thing. Somebody help me now. Hey, then to have a clear Canaan. Amen. And today they wanted to capitalize. They wanted to make a little money. They wanted to make a little profit. Hey, instead of obeying God, 
I see they wanted to capitalize, but number two, I re- believe out of the Scriptures the reason they did not clear them out. In verse number 19, it says that Judah took the, low, the high ground but couldn't take the low ground because they had chariots of iron. Now, we've went 19 verses Excuse me, 19 verses. And everywhere Judah went, God had given him everywhere he went. And all of a sudden, he shows up in a part of the Canaanites. And oh my goodness, they got some chariots with iron on them. Big deal to God. Amen. You know why most people, a lot of people don't go on and take the Canaanites? Is their fear. They might fear what somebody thinks of them. Or they fear what it might cost them if they go on in and do a complete victory. Hey, it might be some good things for us to have some things die in our lives. Amen. Hey, he wanted them to clear out the Canaanites, but they would not because of the fear of the chariots of iron. But then I see nextly, uh, they were content. Right. Now look at this. I want you to look at this. Look at chapter 1, verse 19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Look at verse number 34. And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountain, for they would not suffer them to come to the valley. Now look here at me. I believe they didn't clear them all out because they wanted to capitalize. I believe they didn't clear them all out because of the chariots of iron. But I believe they didn't clear all the Canaanites out because they were content with just having the mountain. Brother Chad, they were okay with just having mountaintop experiences. They were okay with just the, the high services Everything had to everything had to be up. You understand? They were okay with everything high up top, but they didn't want to face the low times. They didn't want to face the valley times. And you mark her down, neighbor. You won't stay in Canaan very long if you don't take some valleys. If you don't go through some valleys. If you don't walk through some valleys. If you don't drive the Canaanites out of the valley, there'll be no growing. There'll be no sustaining. If you don't go and take some valleys in your This is the heart of my message, though. This is what I want to get to. I see a cycle. I know this is different than how I normally preach, and you probably want me to slobber everywhere, but this is where I'm I'm at right now. There's a five stage cycle here. It repeats itself six to eight times in the book of Judges. I want to give you this cycle, and then I want to preach it a little bit. The first stage, and we've already mentioned it, it's an incomplete removal. They fail to remove the Canaanites. The second part of this stage is intermarriage. I want to preach that in a second. After uh, incomplete removal and intermarriage, there becomes idolatry. And then, inevitably, there comes imprisonment. And thank God for the mercy of God... But we should not tread on the mercy of God just because it's there. There's an inevitable deliverance from God. Matter of fact, in chapter 2, it happens twice. It goes through this cycle twice just in chapter 2. God tells them what's going to happen, and then it happens. Now watch me now. That incomplete removal, we read all the verses, but what they did is they let little cells. They didn't let big colonies stay. 
They let little cells that they didn't think was going to hurt anybody. They let little pockets stay of those Canaanites. And while they were there, this first generation was living. Those were just little pockets and little cells. But you know what happens when you leave those cells and those pockets of Canaanites in your life? Eventually you get used to them. Eventually you get accustomed to their customs. Eventually, do you remember when they first went in, they were so abhorred to the actions of the land and they were so they were so wicked, but now here we are and, and by the time chapter two rolls around, they've become comfortable and they come accustomed to the Canaanite ways. Hey friend, have you become accustomed to the Canaanite ways? Have you let those little cells stay in your life? Have you allowed those little pockets to stay in your life? Yeah, I'm dressed right. Yeah, I listen to the right kind of music, but deep down in my heart, there's a little cell of Canaanite right there, and and God's not getting that. I don't care what the preacher says, he's not getting it. And before you know it, it keeps getting bigger and get bigger, and they multiply, and you get to thinking that your enemy is your friend. I see the the incomplete removal, but then I see the intermarriage. Chapter 3, verse 6. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons. And look at the next phrase. I'm not going there yet. And served other, and served their gods. Yes. Watch me now. If you fail to remove those cells and those pockets, before long they won't just be buddies. You'll be intimate with them. If you leave those cells in those pockets, you won't just be accustomed to them. You'll be taking part. Amen. And mom and daddy, if we allow... I'm not trying to tell anybody how to raise their kids. I'm just trying to preach a biblical principle. If we allow those cells and those pockets to stay in our life, eventually our children will get married to the kind of cells and pockets we allow to stay in our life. Hello? And what happens when you marry, when you intermarry, when you become intimate with someone, they begin to pull your heart towards what they love. Is that what happens? You know why I want to marry my wife? Because I believe my wife loved God more than I did. Y'all say amen. 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 Y'all know she does. Amen. Brother Chad, I wanted, I wanted to marry her because she, she read her Bible and she was going the same direction I was going. I, wouldn't, I didn't want to marry somebody and have to live 30, 40 years dragging them around all the time. Yeah. Can I get an amen? A young person, if you go off and marry a Canaanite, that's exactly what you'll do. You'll spend the rest of your life dragging and pulling and pleading. Or everybody go the other way. They may very well pull your heart away from God. That's what happened in our text. What happened? What happened? All of a sudden, they, mom and daddy didn't remove all the Canaanites. Before long, Bobby and Susie's getting married to the old Canaanite boy and girl. I probably went to prom together. Say amen right there. Amen. If your preacher preaches on prom and preaches against dancing and dressing immodest and you go put pictures on Facebook, you're rebellious. Amen. Amen, preacher. You're rebellious. And you need, it needs to be preached on. Amen. You're letting your kids go off with Canaanites. Amen. Come on, amen. Amen, praise God. Amen. You say, well, you ought not to preach on that. You, If you're all bold enough to put it on Facebook, I ought to be bold enough to get up in the pulpit and preach it. Amen. 
I'm friends with most of y'all on Facebook. Amen. Say amen right there. Amen. 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 Thank you, Brother John. They intermarry. Inevitably, idolatry comes. Chapter number 2, verse 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. I believe that's that marriage part. And served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people. Think about that. 430 years of slavery, they didn't fall into idolatry. 430 years under bondage and oppression and persecution. Not one bit of idolatry. But you start getting blessed. You start getting some things. You start seeing an opportunity to capitalize on the world. Verse number 11 and 12 happened. They forsook the Lord God of their and followed other gods and the gods of the people that were around about them and bowed themselves unto the Lord and provoked the Lord God to Lord to anger and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Now watch this. I'm not try, I'm not trying to take up a lot of time. I'm, I'm minding my time. Balaam worship Baal Ashtoreth. That's Balaam. That's a plural for Baal and Ashtoreth worship. Baal was the god and Ashtoreth was a goddess. They were uh, supposedly married to one another. They were. It was all about fertility and prosperity. Y'all listening to me? Right. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Amen. Right. We're willing to lay anything on the altar for the, the cause of, of prosperity yes, and furtherment. Isn't that right? Yeah, right. You know what they did? They would build these place, these temples on the high places and they wouldn't have any roofs and they, the stars would be exposed and there would be an altar and a statue of Baal and an altar and a statue of Ashtaroth. They had, they had temple Baal priests and priestesses. A Baal priest. And you go look this up. It's in Haley's Bible Dictionary. If you don't like that book, give me a better one. Amen? But Brother Chad, that, that they said a, Baal, a priest of Baal was a male temple prostitute. A sodomite. All those Baal priests, priests of Baal that Elijah killed on Mount Carmel, you hear all the liberals crying about, oh, we shouldn't have done that. God's a God of love. They were all temple prostitutes, sodomite temple prostitutes. The, all the women, the priestesses, they were, they were, I'm not being vulgar, but they were prostitutes for the temple of Asherah. You know what they would do in order to be initiated into Baal or Asherah worship? You would have to take your firstborn and sacrifice it on the altar of Baal, the altar of Asheroth. Brother Gravely, they said when the archaeologists dig those temples up today, there's still jars full of baby remains in those, in those jars. They said if you, if you were a part of that religion and you went to build a new house, you had to sacrifice a child to be built into the walls of your house. Go check me on it. It's all true. Brother Steve, these are God's people. These are the children of Israel. These are the children that God pulled out for His all. And you know what He said in Exodus 13? He told Moses, He said, when you, when a, when a, a, a firstborn comes through the matrix, when a firstborn is born, that one is the Lord's. So when they crossed over into Baal worship, when they begin to worship Asheroth, you know what happened? Their firstborn, instead of going to God, instead of being living for God, that firstborn was given to Baal to die. Yes. Isn't that what we've done? Yeah. Amen. Instead of giving our children
children to live for God. We've given our children many a times to die for the gods of this world. Now we don't, we don't, we don't worship. We most of us don't worship a big stone god. Say Amen. You don't go to the Chinese restaurant to, to worship Buddha. There's another god you're worshiping when you go to that buffet. Say Amen right there. Help me out, brother Jimmy. Say Amen. Where's he at? Amen. Hey, we ain't bowing down to some god of brass. Right. But you mark her down. The, the gods in America are not made with hands. They're made with hearts. We're bowing our lives down and we're giving our lives to a dollar or to a sport or to an entertainment. We're giving our lives over to the to the cause of, of comfortable and the cause of contentment. And we're bowing down. And the whole time, instead of giving our children to live for God, we're bowing down with the Canaanites. And we're saying, here you go. Here you go, world. And we're laying our kids down. Incomplete removal, intermarriage, idolatry. Go look at it. Read the. It's not. It's a very short chat, book. Go read through it over and over again. Ain't that what we do? Yes. Ain't that what we do? It's a cycle. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it. It's a cycle in my life. If I'm not careful, I'll let the Canaanites rise up in my life, and I'll fall back into the cycle. Look what happens next. Before you know it, your enemy becomes your friend, and then your friend becomes your master. They buddy up with you just long enough to come up and get the chains and the shackles on your arms. Do you hear me, young people? Sin is fun just long enough. Sin is just fun just long enough to get close enough to you, to get intimate enough with you, to get you off your guard. Sin is just going to be your friend long enough so he can get your, his shackles on you. The Canaanite don't love you. The Canaanite don't want to help you. The Canaanite don't want to assist you. The Canaanite wants to take you and find you. They're tired of paying money for a bunch of church people to live high on the hog. Amen. They want to bind you. It's inevitable. If you fall into this cycle and don't break it today, you will end up in prison to the Canaanites. I see this. And now let me say this. This was a proof that they were God's people. The fact that God didn't just let them go all the way. And God stopped. Do you realize the mercy of God is not Him coming up and showing up and delivering them. The mercy of God is God putting them in bondage and saying, You're not going any further into this. That's right. right. If you do not face chastisement... If you can live however you want, however long you want, and you do not face chastisement, if the imprisonment does not come, I'd be getting in this altar and checking up today. The Bible says if you are without chastisement, you're bastards and not sons. The surefire way that Israel knew they were Israel, the surefire way that Israel knew they were the children of God is because every time they wouldn't remove, every time they would get into idolatry or intermarry, inevitably the chains would come. I see this. 
I say an inevitable deliverance. You go read it. I don't have time to preach the whole book today. But you go read it. God would raise up a man. He would deliver them. For 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, they'd live for God. But you know what they always failed to do? They always failed to kill the Canaanites. That's right. Matter of fact, you really don't see anybody in leadership in Israel that really goes after the inhabitants of the land until David shows up on the scene. And that's because he was God's king. Amen. You say, but Brother Chris, what do I do? That's a good question. I said, when God gave me this, Brother Chris, I said, God, I can't just get up and preach all that negative. Brother Stennett said, I can't do that. I've got to give some kind of positive. <laughs> Chapter 1. Would you look over there with me? Chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise will go with thee until I lot. So Simeon went... With him and Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and on and on and on. Now watch me. Young people, mom and daddy, older people, where none of us are exempt from having Canaanites living in our land. Yes, right. You know what I want? I want a clear Canaan. I want a clear Canaan where I can go out there and live for God. If that means having a, having a tiller in one hand and having a sword in the other, so be it. That's right, so be it. We back, we got to get back to that. Put our hand to the plow and put our hand to the sword and be willing to fight. What did they do? When Joshua was dead, when the one that had been conquering for them all is dead, what did they do? They went to God. God? I can, I can see their prayer like this. It doesn't iterate, but don't, don't get mad at me. I'm just saying, I, I believe their prayer probably went like this. God, which Canaanites do I need to deal with? God, what do I need to do? God, point me in the right direction. God, show me where the cell is. God, show me where the pocket is. Show me where to put the sword, God. Then what happens? They go with God. They didn't hesitate. Did Judah argue with God? Well, God, those are baby Canaanites. Don't get mad now. Did I mention that baby Canaanites grow up to be big, strong, strapping Canaanites? Brother Bud, it's never been the big man Canaanites that's bothered me. It's been them little baby Canaanites that I let stay and grow up in my life. And get accustomed to. And I nurture that Canaanite. And I help it grow up. And then before you know it, the one I help so much is put shackles on me. Amen! Hey! God, God, what do we do? Well, this one you got to kill. And this one you got to kill. And then you got to go up there. And then you say, Yes, Lord, I'll kill this one. And I'll kill this one. And I'll kill this one. Whatever He puts His finger on today, I can preach a list. I can name it all. Hey, but you know what the Canaanite is living in your life. And this afternoon, somebody needs to raise up. Go to God. And when He says kill it, you need to take out your sword. And cut it all. And lastly, I see this. We've got to go to God. We've got to go with God. Then we've got to go with the godly. 
Brother Gravely, I noticed here that as soon as God tells him what to deal with, and God says, I'll go with you, Judah turns over to his brother. He says, Simeon, I know you got Canaanites over there, and we'll go deal with them too. But Simeon, I trust you. And I know you want the same kind of Canaan I want. And Simeon, I trust you. Would you go up with me for a little bit and fight the Canaanites with me? Brother Will, come here. Young people, look at me. I've I've tried to rush, but I I, I really want to deal with this. Look at me. You've got to go to God. You've got to go with God. Wherever He says put the sword, you put it there. But you've got to go with the godly. Back in 2010, God put this man in my life. I've got friends all over this room. But he's my accountability partner. Do y'all know what that is? That's somebody I can go to and I can, I can go to with the problems I'm having in my flesh and the problems I'm having in my life and I don't have to worry about him starting a prayer chain about it. I've, there's been many a times I've said, Brother Will, would you go up? Would you go up with me and help me take this valley? And help me take this mountain. The, the Canaanites are too big for me. Brother Chris, come here. Me and Brother Chris Simpson. Brother Chris Simpson has been my oldest friend. We grew up together but long history. There's been times I've called Brother Chris. Right. And I couldn't, I couldn't take the hill by myself. And I couldn't take the valley by myself. Right. And I could call him right. and say, I got some Canaanites. Yeah. And I need you to take your sword out. I need you to go up on the hill with me. Brother Josh, Brother Blake, come on. Hey, Brother Samuel's in here. You come and help me too. Hey, Brother Grant, if you're in here, come and help me. Hey, there's been men in my life. These are some of the best friends of my life. And there's been times in my life. Come on and lock arms with us. Hey, there's been times in my life. Brother Lady, I couldn't take the mountain on my own. I couldn't take the valley on my own. I was able to get on the phone or get an altar and say, Hey, hey, can you help Help me to go up and kill some Canaanites with me. These men, they taught me how to pray. Young people, listen to me. If they're more worldly than you, go run from them. These men pray better than I am, do. They preach better than I do. They walk with God more than I do. And that's exactly why when I'm down and when I'm out and God says, hey, put your sword there. Hey, slice them up there. I want to call somebody I can trust. It's not going to say, oh, just cool off a little bit. Oh, just back down. You're getting a little too fanatical. No, I want somebody to take the sword out of the sheath and go charging in the battle with me. I hope to God I've helped them kill some Canaanites in their land. In their yeah. land. Right. We're all living in Canaan. That's We're right. all living in Canaan. But we got our own lot. we got our own Canaanites to deal with. Right. Now look at me, young people. You got somebody you can go up with? You got somebody when you get done killing them at your place, Amen. you can say, hey, come over and help me with me, mine. Yeah. Hey, get Good you person. somebody. Amen. Y'all can go sit down. You know why these men are sitting up here? I believe Brother Brown is your friend. I believe Brother John is your friend. I believe Brother Randy is your friend. But as I look up here, I see men that years ago, no doubt, started killing Canaanites with one another. You know why? They, they, they've got all kind of... Not that they're above falling. You hear me and hear me well. None of us are above falling. But there's men that started out with these men that have fallen. 
Because they failed to kill the Canaanite. Nobody falls into sin. You make a conscious decision to let the Canaanite stay and let the Canaanite grow and let the Canaanite flourish. You've got to get you some friends. You've got to get you the godly. Your spouse is so important, boys. Boys, don't listen. Wait on God. Wait on God. Because you'll find out that when your friend can't come and help, your friend don't answer the phone, you're laying in bed at night and the, the, the Canaanites attacking you and the flesh is rising up and the world's coming against you or the ministry's falling apart. Sometimes they ain't going to be able to come. And Brother John Morgan's a friend of mine, but sometimes they're not going to be able to help you. But if you got the right kind of spouse, if you marry right girls, you'll have a husband to slip his hand in yours. Say, all right, baby, let's kill some Canaanites. Boys, you'll have a, a, a wife that will slip their hand in yours and say, take out the sword. Take out the sword. You could marry wrong. And every time you decide to kill a Canaanite... The wife get all mad and blow up. You ain't cutting that off. No, you ain't killing that one. Hey, go with God. Go to God. Go with the God. Let's all stand. Heads are bowed.